Hi, this is Andy McCluskey from Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark, and you're listening to PX Tape Recorder. I'm P.F., this is my tape recorder, and welcome to another installment of P.F.'s third favorite band, question mark. Now, the premise is very simple. It is uh, widely known, and by widely known, I'm assuming you know who I am. Uh, My two favorite bands are the Beach Boys and Orchestra Maneuvers in the Dark. But what is my third favorite band? Well, people seem to think they know the answer to that, but I thought it'd be fun to kind of explore that. So, uh, last week, uh, the first installment of this uh, special edition of the tape recorder. The Kinks were the first band up, and we're doing this chronologically by release date, the same way the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, inducts people into uh, that organization. So going with those parameters, the Kinks were uh, the logical first choice, having released their first record in 1964. Uh, Next band on the list, uh, on the eligibility list, would be The Police, who released their first record in 1977. And uh, so we're going to listen to a few tracks from The Police. We do, well, first we do a song each from the Beach Boys and Orchestra Maneuvers, and then we bring the uh, the band eligible for third favorite band into the mix, do six songs from them. Then there's an honorable mention band, a band that I like a lot, but doesn't quite qualify for being my third favorite band. And then we'll have a brand new song of the week at the end from someone uh, from a new artist. All right, so we're going to start off with... Um, the Beach Boys, uh, last week, let me see, what did we play? Oh, played Surfing USA, the first Beach Boys song I ever bought. Uh, this track I thought I would play because uh, it also kind of cemented me into the fandom, and I found it sort of randomly. Uh, the movie American Graffiti had come out, and I wound up seeing it, I think, on cable TV or something uh, in the late 70s uh, when HBO started. And the very last song in the movie that plays over the credits is this song, and this song probably comes from what I would say is the Beach Boys... Uh, probably most serious album up to that point in their career it comes out in 1964. The album's called All Summer Long. The uh, song is called All Summer Long. And interestingly, Steve Lukather, you may know him. He's the guitarist from Toto. He was on my friend Pat's podcast, uh, Rock Solid. And uh, a couple of weeks after being on Rock Solid, nothing to do with the Beach Boys. He wasn't on talking about them, but he t- I noticed he tweeted out saying that uh, he thinks All Summer Long is a better album than Pet Sounds because it's uh, more accessible and you know isn't all all fancy. And, and I thought, well, I mean, he's a professional rock guitarist, so I, I guess. But I don't really agree because while All Summer Long is a great album, there are a couple of turkeys in there. And I just think there's no duds in Pet Sounds. And as a non-musician, I think I still hear the brilliance of Pet Sounds over all summer long. So it's just kind of a, a strange observation from a professional musician. But again, he's got the bona fides. I do not. In any case, All Summer Long is still one of my favorite uh, albums, Beach Boys or otherwise. And certainly this song uh, is a banger. Uh, I never get tired of it. The vocals are great. The, uh, the backing track is great. So here is All Summer Long by the Beach Boys. Summertime is the summertime. 
also along by the Beach Boys from the album of the same name. What a great tune. I think it only got to like, I don't know, into the teens. I don't think I even got to the top 10 in the U.S. I should have looked that up uh, before I started this. But anyway, for orchestral maneuvers, last week we started with So In Love, which was my entry point into orchestral maneuvers from their 1985 album Crush, which was their fifth album at that point. So I figured I would just go back to the beginning of their catalog. Their first big hit, uh, well not big hit, but the song that got them attention and got them a, a signed to a record label, uh, a subsidiary of Virgin called Dindisk was Electricity. The second single from their debut album was called Messages, and the original mix they weren't keen on. They went back into the studio and re-recorded it, and they uh, added a backward cymbals crash to start it. The song is sped up just slightly, and uh, it's still one of their best tunes. They still will sometimes start their live sets with this, or it will be the second song in the set. I think recently it's now become the second song in the set, and uh, it's just a, a crack and tune holds up well it 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 sounds 1979 but at the same time it still sounds pretty contemporary for electronic music so here you go here's messages from omd Messages from OMD. So there we go. There's PF's first two favorite bands, and now we get to the uh, this week's contestants for uh, the honor of PF's third favorite band. It's the Police. How about the Police? Uh, so the Police uh, roll out in 1977. They uh, let me see. Uh, what's a good way to explain this? I guess it's of course it's Stuart Copeland. He's an American drummer. He finds um, uh, Andy Summers then comes along a little later. I think he finds Sting first playing in a jazz band and recruits him to be. He wants to see. He wants to be in a rock band. And uh, Sting is keen to this idea. So, uh, and then Stuart Copeland doesn't even know this at the beginning, but Sting is quite the songwriter. And he writes most of the band's songs, including most of the songs on the debut album, Outlando Stamore. The two big singles from this, of course, Roxanne, which gets to 32 in the United States. And then Can't Stand Losing You does okay. Gets a lot of MTV uh, airplay when MTV finally comes on. Although by the time MTV comes on, the police already have three albums under their belt. But anyway... Uh, but the tune I'm going to play for you is uh, called So Lonely. It was the third single, and it's got a bit more, uh, I think it, it holds up a little bit better. Uh, I think, you know, Roxanne, we've heard a lot, and Can't Stand Losing You is a pretty similar tune. But uh, So Lonely kind of demonstrates the real reggae influence that's going to stay with the police all the way through their recording career, uh, through the five albums that they're going to make. So here we go. Here is So Lonely from the police from their debut album, Outlandos Demore. You 
So Lonely from the Police, that reggae-influenced tune being their third single, still a, still a live favorite for many, many years, uh, takes us up to Regatta de Blanc, which is their second album, which means, we, uh, you guessed it, white reggae. And uh, the problem with Regatta de Blanc that the police fandom will recognize immediately is that the uh, the tank was already running dry as far as songs go, so they had to cobble together uh, some things, but they still come out with some really good tunes, including the two singles, uh, Message in a Bottle and Walking on the Moon. Uh, Walking on the Moon I'm going to go with for a couple of reasons. Again, you hear Message in a Bottle a lot. I don't think Walking on the Moon gets as much uh, love as it should. And also, a band from Cincinnati, where this podcast is emanating from, uh, is named for the song. The Walk the Moon is named for the police song, Walking on the Moon. How about that? So, a little slower again, the real reggae uh, feel. It doesn't really sound similar to things that are going on at the time, because Message in a Bottle is a rock tune, but Walking on the Moon still has got that reggae feel that really isn't. It's a little bit in the chart at the time. Blondie's got the tide is high out, and there's there's reggae influence certainly coming into the British and American charts, but uh, Walking on the Moon really uh, nails it, and uh, here it is now, Walking on the Moon by The Police. So two pretty successful albums out for The Police brings us to Zanetta Mundata. And if you ask The Police themselves, and people have, they were probably the most satisfied with this album, even though they're uh, two albums away from having one of the biggest albums ever in the history of the planet. Uh, they like Zanetta Mundata a lot as far as production, as far as the songs. And uh, the two big singles, Da Do Do Do, Da 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 Da, and Don't Stand So Close To Me, both get to number 10 in the United States. Uh, so The Police really are gaining a foothold in North America at this point. But just to show you what kind of a fun album it is all the way around. Uh, this is a popular tune, I think, among the, the police fandom. It's uh, Canary in a Coal Mine, a jaunty little tune, and uh, here's a blast of that. Mm-hmm. 
Canary in a Coal Mine. And again, that's a bouncy little tune. It's much bouncier even than the, well, the doo-doo-doo, I guess, is kind of bouncy, but Canary, it's it's, it's really fun. And uh, again, a bit of a reggae influence, but I think God, it's more of almost, I can't quite put my finger in mode of what it would be, but um, it's got kind of more of a, a West Coast, U.S. kind of underlying feel to it, in a way. So we get up to Ghost in the Machine is the next album for the Police, their fourth album, and oddly, uh, the lead single in most countries outside of the uh, United Kingdom and Ireland is uh, Every Little Thing She Does is Magic, which uh, I think becomes a top 10 hit in most places. But about a month or two ahead of the release of that, in Britain, they release Invisible Sun as the lead-off single. And I, can, I guess I can see why they don't release it in the U.S. or Canada. It's, it's very much a song about Ireland, although Stuart Copeland... Uh, insists that uh, it reminds him of his hometown of Beirut. He's the son of uh, diplomats, so his he, he was actually born in Beirut and grew up there. And the song reminds him of the kind of conflicts that have been going on there for years and years. Uh, Sting wrote it while living in Ireland, and it is about Ireland and uh, the struggles for independence of Northern Ireland. And um, it sounds a bit, uh, I don't know, a, a bit, not, what's the word I'm looking for? Not dirthy. That's a bit too extreme. It's uh, But it's it's a slow tune. It's somber, I think is a good word for it. But then it's got kind of an uplifting message in the title and that, you know, there's a light, the invisible sun means there's light at the end of the tunnel and that there is hope. And it turns out we know Sting was right. And uh, this is just a, this is a really haunting tune. It, it grabs you right from the start. It's, it sticks with you. This is an invisible sun uh, from the album Ghost in the Machine. Like I said, the big single from Ghost in the Machine, of course, is Every Little Thing She Does is Magic Spirits and Spirits in the Material World. Got to number 11 in the United States. Uh, I like that tune a lot. I love the keyboard riff in that, but um, just to show what a great album this is, I'm going to go with a different tune. And, and this reminds me of something. If you want to deep dive on The Police, uh, I mentioned my friend Pat's podcast before, Rock Solid. He did a, an episode with his buddy Mike Siegel where they went through the entire Police catalog. And it like, didn't take them long, only five albums. And then they went into the expanded universe, which... um. I'm 
I like Sting solo stuff mostly until we get into the late 90s. Uh, I like the first couple of solo albums. I think uh, I think it's called Lithium Sunset. Is there no no Mercury Falling? Mercury Falling is the one from the early 90s. Great album. I love the album. And uh, but the Stuart Copeland stuff, the Animal Logic, the soundtrack stuff, eh, and Andy Summers. I guess you got to be a musician to really appreciate his genius, and he is a guitar genius. There's no question about that. But um, yeah, as far as the Police Expanded Universe, not super keen. Anyway. Uh, so Pat and Mike did an episode about the police, and they went through uh, album by album. And they get to Ghost in the Machine, and I come to a realization. I always thought Synchronicity, which follows Ghost in the Machine, was my favorite police album, and it's a great album. But then I realized listening to their uh, episode that I love Ghost in the Machine. I love every track on it, whereas Synchronicity, I'll explain in a little bit, I may have a few problems with. So anyway, here's another great tune from uh, Ghost in the Machine, another reggae-influenced one, Worldview. It's, uh, it's just... Bang on police of the time. It's uh, one world. One World, Not Three. Uh, that's the official title of the song, by the way. It's One World, in parentheses, Not Three. Uh, another cracking tune from Ghost in the Machine. So that brings us up to the fifth album by The Police, Synchronicity. And a lot of things really come together for The Police at this point, both uh, internally and externally. Of course, Sting is just getting to be a better and better songwriter. Uh, musically, they're, you know, they're brilliant to begin with, but they get even better and better simply because just through sheer repetition and, you know, touring the globe multiple times across those four albums, they become even better musicians. And so they uh, roll out with Synchronicity. And uh, the funny thing about Synchronicity, well, the external thing I forgot to mention that happens at this point, of course, is that MTV is really starting to, uh, you know, fire on all cylinders, as it were, and become super, super popular so this this is the perfect time to be releasing a uh, a massive hit album uh, with associated videos the funny thing about synchronicity though for me looking back now is that i'm not keen on a couple of the tracks of course there's the obvious one uh, mother probably the most famous speed bump uh, in rock and roll history so there's that i'm not a huge every breath you take fan and i never have been and i thought about it and i think the main reason because i didn't like it from the beginning i didn't dislike because it, it got popular and went to number one when they first rolled out of them like eh I'm not sure I'm keen, but the reason is I think it's it's just too simple. I think I guess the simplicity is why people like it. It's a very simple tune, very simple message, you know, nice lyrics and all that, you know, good guitar hook. But it's just it just doesn't do it for me, and I I'm more interested in 
Sting sing, you know, being all philosophical and pompous and pretentious and singing about, you know, how the universe is connected and things like that. And, and love songs too, but also dinosaurs, uh, which brings us to my favorite track from Synchronicity, which actually is Walking in Your Footsteps. I remember seeing, they did a video before they released the album called Studies in Synchronicity. And it's basically just a camera panning around the soundstage and it just stops at little... I guess, statues and images representing each song. And one of them was Walking in Your Footsteps. When I first heard it, just the little bits of it, I'm like, this is this sounds really cool. I can't wait to hear this. And I was not disappointed. So from Synchronicity, this would be my favorite tune. Uh, this is Walking in Your Footsteps. And so that ends it for the police there. Synchronicity, of course, Sting goes off to do uh, do solo stuff. Uh, Andy Summers goes and works with Robert Fripp and some other folks. Of course, uh, Stuart Copeland starts doing sound work, uh, soundtrack work, and uh, he forms a band called Animal Logic, like I mentioned. But like I said, uh, the police expanded universe, I'm not a huge fan. I like that I like Sting solo stuff up into the early 90s. Um, I'm, I still like a lot of his stuff. So, uh, but there you go. Nice, concise five albums. They do get back together to tour. I think it was, what was it, about five, six years ago they did that. And I'm not, some bands, then when they break up, you're like, well, that's good. They, you left it complete. You didn't have to come back and try and, you know, make more money and, and try to reinvent something that maybe isn't there anymore. But I'm not sure the police should not get back together and record another album because they're really, you know, in the expanded universe, there's still nothing like the police, I mean, Sting solo stuff isn't very police-like at all, and certainly uh, Stuart Copeland's and Andy Summers isn't. So I think it could, we could do with that mix of uh, rock and reggae and a bit of jazz again. So so that's that. The Case for the Police, five great albums. Uh, I like them all. I think some people think I'm weird, but a buddy of mine is just told me he thought it was weird I liked all five police albums equally just about because uh, some people liked you know the the hit albums the last two and some people liked the early ones because they're so raw and punky and all that stuff but I, I like the whole thing I like the whole catalog uh, but then again they, that's where they stopped so they don't they don't keep making albums they haven't made albums even though the three of them are still making music so that might be kind of a, a detraction as well but that takes us to uh, that's the case for the police as it were and that takes us to our honorable mention band who um, don't release an album until 19 1981, but they do release a single in 1976, so they qualify. They also appear on the Gong Show, strangely enough, as the Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo, shortened later to just Oingo Boingo, because Danny Elfman's brother started the band, and then he took over. His brother left, and then uh, they produce... 
I think four or five, same number how many albums it was, uh, in the 80s. And people love the Oingo Boingo, especially in the American Southwest. They're still huge in Los Angeles and Arizona and places like that. And people love them. A bit too quirky for some. I'll give you an example. When I worked in advertising in like 99, 2000, and through there, uh, people, of course, were very enamored of Danny Elfman. He's the chief songwriter and lead singer of Oingo Boingo. He started doing some soundtrack work you may be familiar with, Batman and all that. And people, he did the Simpsons theme. Uh, and people, he released an album called The Movie for a Darkened Theater, which people just loved. And they're, oh, this is so cool. And is it not a fan? Not a fan at all. I only know two people that like both sides of Danny Elfman. And uh, the music you hear for the podcast here, which is composed by myself and my friend John, mostly my friend John, uh, and was produced by his high school buddy, Doug. Those two guys are the only two people I've ever met that I think equally like uh, Danny Elfman's soundtrack work and Danny Elfman's Oingo Boingo work. Other people just one or the other. So when I was in advertising, uh, they played Movie for a Darkened Theater one day at work. And I went, oh, this is so cool. Or is this Movie for a Darkened Theater? Yes, it is. It's Movie for a Darkened Theater. Danny Elfman's so cool. And so I played Oingo Boingo's greatest hits, and they were mortified. They were not keen at all. Is it, uh, P.F., is this in excess? Uh, it sounds like in excess. It's not. So anyway, I'm going to play you what uh, is my favorite Oingo Boingo tune of all time. Uh, it is from the album called Boingo. Excuse my uh, Alexa there, or my uh, Siri there. Uh, it came out on the album Boingo in 1986. Six or seven. Seven, I want to say. Um, no, 86. Anyway, it wasn't one of the singles. Uh, the two singles from this album were Pain, which is okay. I don't know why that was a single. And Not My Slave, which is a fantastic tune. But this one, not a single, but people love it. It's been covered many times. Susanna Hoffs covered it. A band called Alistair covered it. Uh, pretty good versions. Uh, original is still the best, I think. It's just a very soothing song, especially when I'm in a kind of a dark place sometimes. This can kind of pull me out. And uh, this is We Close Our Eyes from Oingo Boingo, our honorable mention band on PF's third favorite band. We close our eyes from Oingo Boingo. What a great tune. Uh, by far their best tune, and as I said, uh, was never a single. Uh, excuse my mouse clicking here while I bring up the song of the week. Uh, do check out your Oingo Boingo, but I, I highly recommend it. Uh, we're going to go now to, if I could ever get iTunes to come up, it's not going to come up. Uh, I'm going to go to the song of the week. It's from Tame Impala. Tame Impala are from Perth, Australia. And uh, a buddy of mine at work is is a stan. And I've, I've never really been that into them. Uh, they're okay, but this new single, the album actually came out 
in March, and if, I'm, if iTunes will ever come up, I can tell you what album it's from. I don't remember the name of the album. Uh, the song is called Is It True? The album, like I said, came out in March, and uh, two really good reviews. This is the current single, at least the one they're playing on Radio 1, um, BBC Radio 1, and they've been playing it, and it's kind of gotten into my little bit of an earworm, you would say. I, it doesn't seem as... Um, Tame and Pala-y as previous stuff. They're, they're described as a psychedelic rock group. Again, excuse my clicking while I try to bring up iTunes. Uh, anyway, there's more of a psychedelic rock band, which I kind of get from hearing their previous stuff. I'm not quite sure I describe it that way, but... And I have no idea why iTunes will not come up, so I can give you more information about this album. But we're just going to give up, and I will tell you that Tame and Pala is our song of the week. The song is called Is It True? That's all you need to know about it. And I can tell you... Wait a minute here. Let me back up on the computer here and see... If I can get this to, no, iTunes is completely frozen, and it's not going to let me, nah. Oh, wait, here it is. From the album The Slow Rush came out in March. There you have it. That was a long way to get to get to the album. But, yeah, Slow Rush is the name of the album. From what I've heard, I think uh, my buddy Billy played it at work one day. Uh, he played me that and of Montreal, which he's also a very big fan of. And, again, I liked one or two of their songs. But, anyway, um, Tim and Paula. Uh, is it true? Is our song of the week on PF's tape recorder? We'll uh, see you next week to find out uh, another delve into who PF's third favorite band is. Meantime, Tame and Palace, song of the week. Is it true? So long and thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.